You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Hello, lovers. Yeah, you like that one? Yeah. Welcome to You Gotta Love It. The show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed. The show where you can come to discover the best things you never knew existed. And the show where you can force us to sit through the worst entertainment you could find and say, well, you gotta love it. My name is Koji. I am a part-time inventor and ad man. Remember that game we played that I destroyed? That Jackbox game? Yeah. Uh, I forgot about that. And full-time... I don't know. Lamenter of the ending of things because I feel myself lamenting it quite a lot. Uh, And with me as always is my good friend and finger snapper. Um, I don't know. uh, Finger snapper. Yeah. I'm trying to think of something Game of Thrones related though as well. Finger snapper. You could um, just call me a Game of Thrones apologist at this point. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Game <laughs> of Thrones apologist, Andrew Patterson. How's it what going? What are we going to start with? Uh, it's going well. I also am a... I feel... Uh, well, bo- both a sense of relief and excitement for the future. Um, because this is... Uh, you got to love it. Yeah, We'll do things the traditional way. And start with the gem, not so hidden, but it is a gem, an infinity gem, <laughs> if you will. Uh, just fucking full, full of it tonight. Uh, Avengers Endgame. Yeah, I haven't heard any complaints, at least in our social circles, about it. Yeah, I don't know how you could complain. I mean, there's a, f- I have heard some complaints about how a lot of the movies spent with characters that we don't care about as much as some of the other characters. And by we, I mean socially in general, not you and I. Mm-hmm. You know, people were saying, oh, there's a lot of War Machine and a lot of... Um, um, Nebula. Yeah. And, and you know, the be- first, the opening half of the movie uh, is about the remaining people. Spoiler alert, everybody. We didn't do spoiler alert. If no, you yeah. still haven't figured it out, okay. I'm not going to explain the movie like we normally do, but the first bit of the movie is with characters that are less central to, up until this point anyway, the Avengers films like Black Widow and... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of, it is the original people kind of, but that it only feels like they're less central kind of maybe because everybody's so stoked on like Black Panther or but, Captain Marvel. But even even the the original characters, like it's not, you don't you don't we don't start off with a lot of Iron Man, right? We don't start off with a lot of Captain America. You know, we we do get like holograms of Captain Marvel, which people don't, you know, she hasn't resonated yet. Um, Rocket Raccoon, people like, but he's barely around. You know, it really is a lot of like James Rhodes, and um, I don't even know. Uh, up until Ant-Man shows up, it's just kind of like a bunch of sad sacks being sad, which is the Which complaint. makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> Considering yeah. that half the universe was snapped out of existence. But yeah. Anyway, no, I, that's the only complaint that I heard of the film. But uh, yeah, what were your first impressions? 
Do you recall what you felt when you saw this movie and left the theater? Uh, yeah, I will. I will say that I think it has probably one of the best, most fun payoff scenes. Almost in contrast to how people felt about Game of Thrones, which we'll get to later. Yeah. I think that you would be hard pressed. You'd really be zigging. Yeah, if yeah. you were just like, oh, the battle scene in this movie did not meet my expectations. Like I would just, if somebody said that to me, I would just tell them to fuck off. Cause there's no, you know, like it was like, again, without going into too much detail, it was really like timed out so perfectly. And it just really scratched that. It like, it just hit it. So it was so satisfying. Absolutely. And, and it felt like, um, I think my first impressions were that early on, I actually thought that even though we just said there's sad sacks being sad, I was kind of surprised at how much humor they injected into it. There was like a lot of humor. And I was like, these people are making, they got jokes for people that have been left, but like that are so defeated. You know what I mean? Like well, there was like, I think the problem would be if you were watching almost three hours of, we'll say two and a half or you know, two 15 or something, before the like end sequence happens, mm-hmm. uh, a movie of sad superheroes, like really stoic, serious superheroes, it wouldn't be good. I mean, right? We have the we have that evidence. Yeah, you know the Zack Snyder DC movies are that, and people did not like it. Yeah, you have no, to have some humor. Here I t- totally, I get it. It just felt we- like, uh, you know, when we are introduced to Hulk in this one. Which right. I loved. Yeah. I was just like, when it happened, it really threw me for a loop. Um, I will say, though, that I think that uh, I really applaud their ability to keep this movie quiet and to not give too much away in the trailer. Absolutely. Much like Infinity War. Like, it really, like, when I saw it, I was just like, oh, shit. Like, we really have only seen, like, the first stuff from, like, the first, like, like 15 minutes of the movie you know what i mean yeah. and there's so it's it's really nice and refreshing in today's day and age to not have something spoon fed to you months and or weeks before you've even seen it right and uh so that excitement is there when you're in the theater saw it in imax on opening night so that was there uh well let's talk about giving too much away here because i'm about to give a lot away as soon as i realized that they were doing a whole time travel thing mm-hmm. and they were revisiting all of your maybe quote unquote favorite favorite moments from the other movies. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh yeah, this is yeah. incredible. Well, I was sitting beside you. My favorite part was I was kind of going into this movie when people were speculating it was going to be time travel. I was kind of like, I really hope they don't do time travel. And I hope it's like more about them finding the soul stone and having to make some sort of sacrifice. Right. Uh, and then sure enough, it was time travel. And I was kind of like inwardly, like, like tugging at my collar. But then when they break down the mission where it's just like, okay, so we're going to split into teams. You remember like we, I looked over at you and you were just like, oh, yeah. (laughs) I was just like, yeah, this is cool. And the way that they, I just think that it was not only was the battle at the end of this movie satisfying, but that idea was such a perfect bookend. They did a really good job of, it's unprecedented. Nobody's done like a 10-year, has built something this large in scope, this epic in scope, this has generated this much money, like made this much money, has spent this much money, has been so far-reaching and so just like culturally 
like the impact it's had on popular culture yeah is like unheard of like you think about star wars sure there's other things that are like impactful and lasting but like for them to just start doing this in 2008 and for it to have been to be so pervasive and this really to me really well bookended it felt like an ending but what's so brilliant about it is it also feels like a beginning which is like how they did that successfully is like a noodle scratcher for me i mean i know how they did it but you know what i mean like I, i didn't leave the theater like there's no stinger in this one and they're it, they don't leave it where it's just like an obvious like super obvious wink wink like okay and then like i guess this is going to be the next bad guy like it feels like it ended right except then afterwards like you're like on your way home and you're like oh yeah oh what about this oh what about that yeah um and i loved that about it and there's a lot of there's a lot of scenes that if in done incorrectly in another movie would have made me really uncomfortable. But in this movie, because they did it correctly. Like example? Well, they're like nerdgasm scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like yeah. the biggest example that I can give you is when Captain America, spoiler, huge spoiler alert here, also one of the greatest scenes in the movie, when Captain America picks up Thor's hammer. Yeah. Like fuck that was everyone so just lost it. Yeah. And like even <laughs> I was just like, oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? You know what? I actually, you know what made me lose it almost more than that? What's that? Was the two hammers. Like when, when you're, when, when they're, um, when they're looking down, when Captain America and Iron Man walk up again, I mean, fuck, I'm just going to stop saying spoiler. Yeah. When they walk up and Thor's just looking down into that pit and Thanos is just sitting there and they're like, yo, what has he been doing? And he's just like, he's just sitting there waiting. Yeah. And then they're just like, all right, well, let's. Like, let's go fuck him up. I mean, they don't say that. It's a family movie. But, yeah. and then, like, you know, Captain America tightens his shield or whatever. Tony, like, put his visor, like, his helmet forms over his head. Yeah. But Thor, instead of holding his hand out from Mjolnir, he, like, holds two hands out. Yeah. And he fucking gets the, like, Groot axe, whatever it's called, Stormbreaker or whatever. Yeah, Stormbreaker, then, yeah. And then also Mjolnir, like, that and him in his armor with his, like, braided beard and stuff. Yeah. I was just like, fucking Thor looks sick. Like, this yeah. is going to be amazing. And then, Oh, what a rewarding, just so satisfying. Every aspect of that battle was incredibly satisfying. Even when Captain America gets beaten down and then... The shield is broken. There's so many nerd moments. Just as he's about to lose, like, uh, and, and, you know, Thanos is doing his thing and his armies are, like, piling out of the ships about to converge on Earth. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the, like, I don't know where you hear uh, Bodhi's voice. It's Bodhi, right? Um, in, in Captain America's earpiece, and he's like, "Sorry, we're late." Yeah, and you're like, "What is happening right now?" And then yeah. all of a sudden, yeah, all these portals open up from, and you can kind of see through the portals like b- a bunch of different spaces, and you're like, "Oh, what's going on here?" Yeah, you know, um, and you know what's happening. Yeah, but it's so yeah, it's so good. Um, uh, so one thing that I thought was cool when I was thinking about the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe up until this point is that the first part kind of feels like they're like, okay, we're establishing. I think that it could be a lesson for anybody that wants to make, not like a cinematic universe, but even a film or a trilogy. Yeah. Um, The patience that they had and realizing that if they want to get everybody on board and not just nerds, they need to approach it a certain way. 
So if you think about it, like the first couple movies, they're superpowers, but it's very grounded. Like it's like they introduce a guy who has no powers. He's just rich and he builds a suit of armor. And it feels very, it's an action movie and it's fiction. Yeah. But it feels kind of grounded. You know what I mean? Like it's at least grounded in there's fantasy elements, but you're not like, oh, this isn't, this would never happen. You're kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, then Iron Man 2, same, more of the same. And then they introduce Thor, like the way they introduce each of the Avengers is very gradual. And, and even Thor, they, yeah, they introduce Asgard as like basically aliens that we have always thought of as gods, right? But they're right. not like, that's the first like, oh, that's crazy. But it still doesn't feel crazy. It feels like its own pocket thing. For, right. But then the culmination of phase one with Avengers 1, where there's a fucking alien invasion, establishes not only in that universe the concept of like space and aliens, but like uh, it introduces that to the audience. Right. You know, like Thor and the Asgardians just look human. So we don't really... So that whole thing was about setting up like space. Right. <laughs> we were about to set up space and kind of introducing a couple superpowers like Thor. Then the second phase, they really elaborate on space. You get Guardians of the Galaxy. They really start spreading it open, you know, like mm -hmm. busting it wide open. And it culminates in establishing, okay, now we've established science, like comic book science in the first phase. The second phase, we've established comic book space. And then the third phase culminates in establishing dimensions right. and time. So within the existing 21 films or 22 films or whatever it is, you're like, yeah. that's a lot of content, but like, it's amazing that they took that many films to get everybody on the same page because there are people who do not care about nerdy shit yeah. who really like these movies. You know what I mean? And like, it was able to sort of circumvent, like it, it has gone around the suspension of disbelief that those people normally struggle with. They're not going to pick up a comic book that's about a green warrior woman like Gamora, right? They're not right. going to like, they're like, that's stupid shit. But then like having watched these movies in order or being introduced to the Guardians of the Galaxy in like a really humorous, colorful way, like it's just done such an amazing job. And what's cr even crazier than all of that to me is that those over those 20 plus movies in that yeah. 10 years is they were just setting, they were building their foundation. Well, you know, and now, now it's fucking green light time. Like they can now just do whatever they want. I'll do you all. I mean, I agree. And here's like what impressed me on top of all that, because we, within that, all of those movies, right? There's a subtlety because it starts off with Tony Stark mm -hmm. and, you know, because of Downey's performance and him re re really setting the tone for the rest of these Marvel movies, uh, everyone's kind of really fallen in love with with Iron Man and Robert Downey as like a central character in this universe. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, in this movie, they kill him off. But before they do that, right, they they use him to perfectly and, and somewhat subtly set up the next generation. So. He is a central character, although just a side player, but a uh, very central character in the Spider-Man movies. Mm -hmm. And Spider-Man happens to be the youngest of the newest batch of heroes. Yeah. And he plays a, a, a father figure to Peter Parker. Right. To the point where, you know, when, when Peter turns to dust in uh, Infinity War and he's just like, I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark, like whatever, mm -hmm. you know, you can tell, you feel 
for Tony how distraught he is. Yeah. And then in this movie, in Endgame, when Spider-Man comes back, they have, like, on the battlefield, they have a moment. Mm-hmm. You know, he hugs him and whatever. And, like, there's a an emotional connection there. But it's also, like, a a passing of the torch from, right. from Iron Man to Spider-Man, like, in a cinematic sort of way. Or, you, I don't know, like a Marvel... Uh, in an audience sort of way where it's just like, okay, you know, Tom Holland is now your Tony yeah. Stark, your, um, not Tony Stark, that's the bad for the analogy. Tom Holland is now your Robert Downey Jr. You know, right. he's going to carry the next generation of heroes, you know? Yeah. And I think for me anyway, like I totally, just to touch on like a step outside of the movie, there's been so much conversation with Disney's acquisition of Fox and all those properties and them launching their streaming service. Like Disney in the last couple decades has gone on this war path of just media domination where they, you know, they own star Wars, they own Marvel. They're just picking up like they, and a lot of people are talking about like, you know, the concept, you know, how it's like a monopoly and how they're eliminating con- like, it's going to be, it's not good for the industry for one person to have so much power or one entity to have so much power. Sure. And I get all that. And there's even some like cynicism, like you mentioned, there's people, I people like, I wouldn't even call it nitpicking, but disappointed that their character, their favorite characters didn't get more screen time or that they don't like how they treated this one thing. But like this movie and this, these movies on a whole have done so much right. Yeah. And they're, they're so fun, even though like, it's just hard for me to be cynical about them. Like I, like well, understanding the merchandising and the amount of money at play and no, you know, like I can't look at this universe they've built and be like entirely like, oh yeah, but it's just, it's all about the money because it's been, it's meant so much to me and I've right. enjoyed every minute of it so much. And it just also like, happens to be really good content. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's great. Even the worst movie we've, that we've talked about, like in all of them, like our least favorite mm-hmm. of the Marvel movies. Thor the Dark World. Yeah, I still think it, for me it would still be Thor: The Dark World. Is not like because I did a <laughs> I did a marathon. I rewatched all the movies before we saw Endgame. Right. So they're all very fresh in my mind. And like, I'm not gonna sit here and argue that it's like a good movie. Right. But it's not a bad movie. It's just kind of boring. Right. Like when you watch it, you're like, like it's the production value is crazy. It's the cat, like the cast, the right, like. There's nothing about it where I'm just like, oh, it's so bad. You're just kind of watching it. And when it's done, it's like one of the, maybe not the only ones, but it's like the one the most where at the end, you're just like, eh, you know? Yeah. So it's it's amazing that out of all of those films, the worst one is just kind of like, if you took it out of the MCU, it would be like just a middling to okay action movie about, you know? Right. It might even be good because the effects in it are fucking crazy. Like there's some crazy stuff that happens that like when they go into that crazy abandoned warehouse where like physics don't you know like there's some cool stuff in it anyway yeah. uh so. i think it's great if you somehow still haven't seen it and then you listen to this and us talk about it and spoil all this stuff just fucking just you got to go see it you have to um the one thing that i was like oh i kind of wish they did it because i'm a fucking cynic was making tony choose between his daughter and you know, the people that got lost in the Infinity Stone. Like, you thought that's what the movie was setting them up for. Mm-hmm. And they circumvented it in an interesting way, but, like, yeah, still I was like, Ooh. I'll say my one, uh, my one fan grievance was that I didn't love that 
they killed Black Widow instead of Hawkeye. And we talked a bit about this. Yeah. And I, I can understand the argument you were making. And even I was reading an interview with the uh, with the Russos, and they were like, uh, "We wanted, we we wanted her struggle to mean something, right? You know what I mean? Like we want, and just like, yeah, but like, to me, also because I've read so many of the comics, there's there's way more room, I think, to create interesting Hawkeye stories as like a TV show or whatever that could take place either when he's Ronin." in this movie, like in the three years where we don't like see him yeah, or even before that, you know, like you could do a lot with him. Whereas I think it would be weird to do as we know, there's a black widow movie coming out to do a prequel with her or like, I just, it, it mentally, it, I understand why they did it, but it made more sense for, and I think the impact of having somebody whose family we know, like we know that he has a family, you know, like, and it would have been like a devastating, even though a lot of people think of him as a very minor character, like there she has no one other right. than like Hawkeye and this family that is the Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas he, there's crazy stakes that we as an audience have been introduced to. And I, I just sort of like, you know, I'm not like hardcore beefing on it, but right. I just was kind of like, I would have liked to see them switch those roles um, because I think there could have been, they could have done anything. They could have introduced a dynamic where she then steps in to like, you know, it, it almost, it would add more red to her ledger. Like she, that she was unable to like, save him and that like she you know anyway it just would have been interesting to see it go that way and i'm kind of surprised they didn't but we'll see what happens like the sky's the limit like yeah. i i i'm excited that i don't really know there's only rumors i don't really know what's coming up i know there's the eternals yeah spider-man well spider-man technically still part of this third right it's gonna be like an epilogue yeah anyway i think it that Endgame was a perfect end to a giant chapter in the Marvel Cinematic Universe history, and I don't think that anyone has any real complaints about it. But another ending that some people might have com- some complaints about is something yeah. that we will talk about... Over half a million people. Soon, but not quite yet. First, we have a new segment. A new segment. Um, I might even insert like a flushing noise here or something. Yeah. Uh, oh, please do. But this will be called, well, it's yet unnamed. Maybe Tunes from the Toilet, yeah. Songs from the Shitter. I'm yeah, not we're sure. Gonna, we're going to put it to, we'll put like, we'll make a poll or something. But if you are anything like us, and I'm sure that you are at least somewhat like us, you've been to a dingier music venue. Uh, to see a live band, gone into a stall in the washroom, be it a man or woman's washroom, although I've never been in a woman's washroom, so I'm not sure if they experience the same thing. I'm sure they do, though. Uh, And it is covered head to toe in stickers featuring bands you've definitely never heard of. Yeah. It's very, in fact, it's very rare that you would see, like, you're not going to go in there and be like, oh, like you too. Right. Or something, you know? Well, uh, and to that point... This segment is about uh, examining those stickers, listening to a band or a song from a band, and talking about it. So yeah, it's like a hidden gems, but or maybe gem we don't know until we listen to it. But the point is, they're very much like I don't know that I've ever met somebody that was like, "Yo, I I'm really into this band right now." And I discovered them because I actually looked them up when I saw their sticker in a bathroom. Yeah, I was bored taking a shit at uh, Hard Luck, and yeah. so I decided to Google <laughs> this band. Ooh, uh, I would not <laughs> take a shit at the Hard Luck. Oh. Buddy, 
I mean, it would have to be pretty dire. I'll, t- I'll tell you right now that my specialty when I was uh, in the touring band was to take a shit before all of our shows. Oh, so God. I have shat in some of the most disgusting venues you have ever even set foot in in your entire life. H- half these venues don't have, there's no lid on the, there's no like seat on the actual toilet. You just got to hover. Uh, we're getting slightly off topic here. Right, if, sorry. If we want to discuss my my pre show shitting habits i'll be happy to do that on another episode yeah, i don't really want to do that let's but, move uh, on on this first segment of uh uh song shits tune toilets um <laughs> is, is the band toronto's own <laughs> honeybeard the song we listened to was called dreamless sleep uh if you want to know more you can go to www.honeybird excuse me www.honeybeardband.com um yeah what did you think andrew of dreamless sleep well i uh since this is our first time doing the segment i was pleasantly surprised and that's not a knock against honeybeard that's just like you know uh, this particular sticker was literally in the bowl of the urinal well that's why part of the reason I, we chose it is the yeah the impressive nature of the sticker placement because yeah, i would never fucking put my hand i barely want to put any part of my body near the urinal in a venue like this. Not even part of my body. Like, I just assumed that maybe they, like, kind of dabbed the sticker on without touching the bowl and then, like, use their foot to, like, <laughs> smear it on. But I wouldn't even want my shoes yeah. to and touch it the... Ins- solidly on there. Oh, yeah. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. It's flat against the back. Um, but, yeah, I think... Uh, so, I mean, this this also... if you don't If you don't live in Toronto or you're not or you do live in Toronto, you've never been to the Hard Luck. I mean, it's a venue that we've been to countless times, but almost, I would say, every single time we've gone has been for punk or pop punk or hardcore or like metalcore, you know, just like a heavier, a more aggressive type of music. Right. So I kind of went into it with the expectation that, uh, and also the name for some reason in my head, I was like, Honeybeard. That sounds like honey badger or just think beards bearded dudes and yeah. you know punk but you know like it has like mom jeans like it has a kind of similar sort of so i was expecting like pop punk or like a you know like a band that sounded like four years strong or something also just by virtue of the fact that it is a sticker in a washroom yeah i mean it literally could be any band but the bar is just immediately lowered because you're like it's in the bathroom of dingy bar yeah. that, and, and that has nothing to it. do with the bands that play at the i've played countless of dingy course. bars but like it might not even be somebody who's with the band. It right. could just be a kid or somebody that listened to them that took one of the stickers and they were just like drunk and they put it up in the bathroom. Anyway, that's a, all those are reasons why this is interesting. But uh, I really, I liked it. It's They're like a synth pop, synth wave maybe. I don't know what they prefer. Um, synth wave I think is probably the most accurate. Yeah, what is your preferred nomenclature, Honeybeard? I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, it definitely is, I would say it's, yeah, it is more the song we listen to anyway is like that would i would draw a connection closer to like new the new wave sound or a wave sound than i would like pop music in the traditional sense but uh yeah it was good it was like it was we we were listening to it and we just like exchanged a look when that synth came in that like and we were just like huh yeah see that coming um well to be fair the videos opened with like a sort of like the VHS static type mm. thing, which is like a very pop punk, punk-esque thing where it would just be like, you know, you pop in a VHS tape, the static 
happens and then all of a sudden it's like you know guys and guitars like one two three four right right so like i was really expecting something else and it's also slower very melodic very yeah i don't know for fans of like uh if you like like the drive soundtrack yeah you know and bands that perform on the drive soundtrack or in or around that space uh you know uh electric youth uh Check Johnny, out Johnny Jewel Italians do it better. Yeah, check them out. And that's the other thing is that looking at these stickers, we have no idea of knowing whether these bands are still active or not, when the stickers were put up, what's going on. But these yeah. guys, they're definitely still active. In fact, they this we saw this sticker many months ago, but they recently replayed the hard luck. Like like ten days ago they were there. Um so yeah, I think that I, if I'm not mistaken, they're maybe working on some new material, but they've definitely got some songs out there. Uh, check them out. Go go see them at a show. Go see them at the Hard Luck next yeah. time. Next time they're playing. Shout outs, Honeybeard. Uh, one last thing I will say is, if any of you are at a venue and see a series of stickers on the bathroom stall walls or anywhere, uh, take a photo and send it to us. Don't yeah. send us a photo of a sticker. Just yeah. send us a, a, a photo of the wall of stickers and we'll just yeah. choose one at random. Yeah. It would especially be great if you're not in Toronto because we go because it would be because, you know, a lot of these are local bands, I think. So, yeah. So, yeah. Hook us up with your uh, that network, your venue stall for us photos. Um, OK. Well, speaking of things that maybe belong in the toilet, uh, <laughs> let's go to. The Game of Thrones finale. It's not even a hot take at this point. No, I That's know. Just like the I'm just getting ready to rile you ha- up. Half a million people, over half a million people signed a petition that they maybe some of them actually thought this would get them to recreate an entire season of a TV show, which is like without precedent. Like yeah. I've never heard of that happening before, let alone a show this large in scope. Anyway uh game of thrones final season just wrapped up just wrapped up we'll give you one more chance to pause if you are behind and that's that all right let's go full steam ahead what so i haven't really so what do you what are your thoughts we just watched the final episode yesterday okay here's what i've come up with after watching the final episode uh, and the reason why I, I'm see, I'm more okay with it than I find most people are. But if there's a spectrum, let's just say that the majority of people we speak to are on the extreme left side of that spectrum. And I would say that you're closer to the right side of that spectrum. And I'm somewhere in the center because I get, or no, I'm probably closer to you actually, because I'm, I'm fine with, I'm, I'm not just like, Oh, that was okay. I'm like, it's still good. Like, it's still good. It's just not as good as I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And it, it finally came to me last night after watching the finale when I got home, what it was. The finale is the perfect example of my issues with the the last season. So there, there are a lot of scenes back to back that are monumental, like groundbreaking sort of story breaking scenes. Like the perfect, a perfect example is John. Spoiler alert, by the way, like huge spoiler alert. If you have a season finale, like what are you even doing here? Yeah. 
Um, you shouldn't be listening to right. this episode at all if you haven't seen it. This is just all spoilers, the whole thing. Go, go on. So John killing Daenerys right. is, is like one of these scenes that I'm talking about. Bran being uh, elected king of the north. Mm-hmm. Or no, excuse me, king of the north. King of the six kingdoms mm-hmm. uh, is another scene. Uh, but what it felt like to me is this episode, especially, but most of the season has been a series of those scenes back to back to back to back without much in between. Mm-hmm. Whereas the rest of the show is set of precedents where there might be one of those scenes in every episode or every two episodes, one scene in every two episodes that's like totally changes the game. Mm-hmm. But everything leading up to that is sort of the um, the foreplay, if you will, for that scene. Right. Like it's a lot of people, you know, because the show's based on politics. Let's talk specifically about Daenerys being stabbed. There probably would have been a lot of scenes where John is kind of on the fence. Other characters are talking about murdering her. And there was some of that. Mm-hmm. But like in in typical Game of Thrones fashion, they probably would have spent a whole episode on just that one topic, you know, going from character to character to character. And then like maybe like a subplot where uh, another set of characters is talking about something similar, but somewhat unrelated. Anyway, they, they, they would have spent all that time on it. And is, is it necessary for them to have spent all that time? Maybe not, but because they've set it up so much like that in the past, that's what we've come to expect as fans of game of Thrones. Right. And so I think that's why people are upset. But at the same time, uh, if they're only going to do six episodes, they can't really fuck around. Right. And I think so. that a lot of people, well, a lot of, I keep saying a lot of people, but that's, that really is accurate. A lot of people took issue with the fact that it was, it came out that HBO had offered them, you know, like, oh, you guys can do more episodes and they didn't want to do it. So a lot of sort of the narrative has been that they're just over it and they didn't, they kind of phoned it in. Um, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, the other night we were talking about it before the finale and I was getting like really defensive for a number of reasons we won't go into. Part of it was the Raptors were getting blown out. Part of it was just everybody's so upset about everything these days that it was just like, and, and I've loved Game of Thrones so much and event, you know, there's a lot happening the month of May and April and it's just, there was like overwhelming. So it was very, once the conversation started, and it was like people are very passionate about Game of Thrones. In particular, people at this table were very passionate about it. It's not that I don't think their opinions are valid. I just like kind of felt almost backed into a corner and then just started really like dying on this hill. I agree with what you're saying. My only counter would be, and this was sort of what I was trying to explain the other night, is that could they have done that? Absolutely. But I think that for me, the issue lies elsewhere. Like for me, this season... To use the to compare it to the other seasons, or mm-hmm. even even to bring the books into it a little bit, which is not really fair because that's like a whole other animal. But I think that a lot of the padding, or a lot of the what spread things out, was that you know it was the characters meeting each other. So like Arya and the Hound on the road, for example, or it was people traveling to places. But on that journey, they would meet people, meet somebody. And if you step back again, this is kind of help, like similar to what I did with Endgame. I've been, and I'm not alone in doing this. I think like Daryl and Amanda did it as well. But like, I've been rewatching every season, some of them for a third time, most of them for a second time. Yeah. Leading up to this season, and 
when you watch it all condensed like that, you notice that the long night episode in this season yeah. where the, the dead finally come to battle at this point, everything has been distilled. Almost everything has been distilled to its purest form in that the rest of the show, like the first, let's say the first three or four seasons were about setting up the dominoes and, and setting like, okay, this is what's going to happen. The rest of it was all about boiling down, cutting the wheat from the, the, the chaff, just like destroying everybody that was not going to be required for the end of this show right. and bringing everybody together. And the main catalyst for that was this army of the dead, yada, yada, yada. So when we see them at the, in the very first episode, when they're marching to Winterfell, that's all the, all the characters. All the characters that aren't there are in King's Landing. So there are two locations and there are two groups, whereas everything before this was all of these, it was so splintered. Like a given episode might not even cover all of the characters because fucking Daenerys and Dario Naharis and Missandei and Grey Worm are in this city and Jorah's with Tyrion over here and uh, Varys is still somewhere trying to get to them and that's all in Essos. And then you go to Westeros and it's like, this is happening with the Boltons and Sansa's here and Bryn of Tarth and Pod are going here. You know, like there's right. like, everything is so splintered. But at this point, we don't have that. So I, again, I understand where people are coming from, but I guess the reason it bothered me less is because it was very easy for me to accept that like, it's not, for me, I guess it was less needed, but I was just like, this is it. It's like, this is the Avengers Endgame. Like, we don't need to have, like, we already know how Arya and the Hound feel about each other at this point. We know what the relationship between most, if not all of these characters is. And because most of them are going to be dying or, you know, this is the terminus of all of their stories. Right. There's not really the desires there because that's what we've come to understand Game of Thrones is about. But, like, that doesn't exist in the season because, like, it's like, okay, well... We don't need to show a bunch of dialogue between Jorah and so-and-so because we know that Jorah and Daenerys already have this relationship. He's going to sacrifice himself to protect her. That's that. You know what right. I mean? So I guess the thing is, though, was, to, to bring it back to Endgame mm -hmm. is it would be like if Endgame started and, uh, you know, Black Widow comes on screen. She's like, I'm really sad. And then the screen... Uh, all of a sudden she gets a pop-up on her screen that says, hey, somebody's outside and it's Ant-Man. He's like, hey guys, I invented time travel. And, uh, you know, then they're like, oh, okay, cool. And then they right. don't even go back and get the, the Infinity Stones. They just go back, stop him from snapping his fingers and like, everything's okay now. Sure, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. I think Endgame is better also just to put that out there. Yeah. But I would also say this, like take Endgame and put it in a vacuum the same way that people want it. Like, if you had not in there are people I know that did this right like I have friends who have like I've seen like three or four of the movies and they did not like Endgame because Endgame is not a movie that you can just walk into it's literally a direct sequel to another three-hour movie from a year ago yeah and this one makes no like it's not like we're gonna set like you need to have seen other movies sure so it is kind of like that like if you just walked if you're just treating this as its own movie Endgame like most of it doesn't make sense. Like you, you, you could make an argument that it's like a time travel heist movie, but right. like you don't have any backstory. You don't know the relationships between any of the characters. Everything is like assumed, but you know, there's I guess some exposition in this. It's like, there's at least like there, there's less of that because they obviously they have more episodes to spread it out over. But you know, like I, I think that 
just to just to sort of try to wrap this up, the, the things I do agree with now that we've seen all the episodes is I do think that they could have tailed off the White Walkers a bit more. Um, it doesn't break it for me because, again, I very rapidly started looking at them as like a Dr. Manhattan in Watchmen or a, um, uh, a plot device that was meant to bring everybody together. Um, so yeah, I mean, I get why people are not satisfied with how that just ended, but <laughs> that, that is also kind of in keeping with a lot of things in Thrones. Um, see my complaints aren't so much about what happened. Right. And which is why I would say that I'm more on your side of things. Like everything that happened in this final season, I think is the right thing to have happened. Like the fact that, uh, Daenerys goes crazy and they have to stop her and the fact that uh gray worm while being uh throughout the entire season maybe like the most one of the most stand-up characters it's gone totally dark Mm -hmm. like all that stuff i think is perfect for game of thrones i just the immediacy of all of it and we've become so conditioned to almost over um not overanalyzed, but things are almost overexplained to us in that show. Like the second episode of this newest season where they're all sitting around waiting for the battle. uh, And I think I said this to you before is a perfect example of how Game of Thrones usually is where the lead up to what's about to happen is in a full episode. Mm -hmm. And it actually, that happens to be one of my favorite episodes of the entire season Mm -hmm. because I love just seeing the, how all these characters who are finally together interact with each other. But we're so conditioned to, you know, having hearing everyone's side of everything before any of it actually happens that because everything in the season happened so quickly, I'm just like, oh, I kind of wanted like, not that I wanted it to be different. I just wanted more. Like it would, it, it was fed to me too quickly, uh, and maybe part of that is just that I'm sad that it's over. But that was my complaint. Anyone who uh, who uh, I think complains about. Oh, it should have been done this way, or Daenerys shouldn't have become evil. Or I'm like, no, no, right. that's wrong. But I just my my complaint just is, is that it wasn't uh, sort of teased out a little bit more. But like the way things end and what actually happens, I'm I'm more than fine with. I think that like people being upset about that is one of the most Game of Thrones things they could possibly do. Yeah, I mean. It is It is really funny. The more that you step back and look at how people react to Game of Thrones, like I thought it was hilarious that, I mean, I wasn't upset about it, but it was funny. I expected more characters to die during the long night, but that was like trending. Like there was people who actually took issue with the fact that more of their favorite characters weren't dead to the extent that it was being, there was satire, like there was comedy about how Game of Thrones is is has like touched so many people and is so impactful, but has also trained us to expect something yeah. that people were actually upset when their characters, they like didn't die. Right. Which was also funny. Cause it was like, fucking give it time. There's still more episodes. And right. then as but, we saw many of those characters we, did die. And we had a group chat. episodes. We had a group chat, uh, with a bunch of our friends where I said, like, it's almost at this point, more game of Thrones that nobody dies. Yeah. Because what they do is train you to expect one thing and then another thing happens, mm-hmm. right? So it's almost better that less people died because you're just waiting for the hammer to drop 
because that's what they've done to you thus far. Yeah. And I, I even even that I appreciate. My again, my problem is not with anything that happened, just that like the immediacy at which it happened. Yeah. Was uh, and, annoying, and, but I liked it still. Yeah, I I really liked it, and I think the other funny thing is that uh, when all is said and done, unless somehow miraculously for the people that are desperate for this to happen, the petition works and they remake season eight, we'll never know what it would have been like. We can only speculate, which is what everybody has done about the show year over year to a crazy extent. I've ne- there's so many theories. Even among our friends, the amount of different theories, episode to episode, about what something means in the trailer, what's going to happen, you know? Right. And so it's almost like we did it to ourselves. But I will say this. like, Oh, we definitely did it to ourselves. Something that's funny to me in some of our discussions is like when, when you talk to people and you're like, well, what are your least favorite seasons that aren't this season? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's different for everybody, but one that kept coming up, uh, at least in our, among our friends, was season five. And the reason that the reason given for people not liking season five yeah. is that is pacing. Like most of the characters, I mean, it's still better than most TV shows, but most of the characters are in one spot, you know, like right out of the gates, Arya gets to the house of black and white or whatever, you know, where the faceless, faceless yeah. men are. She goes in the door and then she's just there. And Sansa's basically, as Bennett put it under house arrest, you know, she right. gets, to, so, and and when you watch that whole season, which I just finished recently, it is like there is cool stuff that happens in it. Like one of the most compelling storylines uh, is like Stannis and his sort of like the tragedy of his his arc and his right. sort of downfall. But like by and large, again, there's no way of knowing. But it feels to me like the reasons that people didn't like that season is what this season would have been if they stretched it out to be like, okay, well, we don't want to overwhelm people. We want to build things up even more. If you marathon the whole show, and I'm not suggesting that that's how people do it, but when you look at the story as a whole, it's almost like the whole show has been the buildup for these episodes. Right. So when somebody, you know, I agree that like before the long night, that was a good episode. It was interesting seeing those people interact, but there are other areas where like after that people were like, it's crazy how sudden, like it was just like all of a sudden they're at King's Landing and like her other dragon gets like killed. You know, they they shoot it out of the sky and I'm like, but what about the tactics though? Oh yeah, I'm don't just, let's not even <laughs> let's not even go into that. But like, there's a lot of people that were taking issue with the pacing there, and I'm like, yeah, but they were moving unimpeded down. Like, I I personally I wouldn't have I wouldn't have complained because again I just love the world. I love yeah. Game of Thrones, so yeah, I agree. Like, I want to see more of stuff in this world, but like, I don't need an episode where the remaining army that we've already seen, you know, kind of celebrating and grieving at the end of the long night, just fucking going down, moving south unimpeded until they get, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was just like, I get it. Like, I know, I know that, I don't know. I understand what people are saying, but I think that the, the amount they have vested in it and how angry they are is kind of unfounded and is maybe like, just blinding them to the fact that like it is still really enjoyable and like they, you know, anyway, that uh, that's just my take, but it does, you know, I just wish more people were, I guess I just wish more people were happy because I think it's amazing. And I think that, um, I hope that the reaction, the fan reaction doesn't have a, you know, too much of an impact on how these things are treated going forward. 
because it could i can see so many paths where it basically turns into a this is why we can't have nice things you know like right it's like an ex- it's one of the most extreme examples i can think of of people of fans of something uh feeling like it belongs to them and i understand why it's it's just it's weird it's so it's such a crazy phenomenon you know what i mean like yeah. the idea that a fictional property does something to us where we become so attached to it and so vested in what happens to the to something that isn't real that we then project what we want onto it and are upset when that did, like it's crazy it's like a vicious cycle but uh, you know i think that all in all if people step back and just are somehow able to maybe separate themselves a little bit from to get out of their feelings a little bit. Yeah. It, it can be an enjoyable experience and provide some degree of closure. You know, there's certainly there's loose ends. I mean, I'm not going to argue that there aren't things that I'm still curious about, but I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. I know that this is bankable. There's still the books have yet to come out. I'm sure they're going to make these spinoff shows. Like there's, there's tons more to explore. So yeah. All right. Let's get in a little rapid fire here. Okay. So a bit of a retrospective on both of those, uh, both of these things that we just talked about. Okay. Who is your favorite MCU character? That's a fucking great question. Um, There's a lot of them. That's really tough, man. Yeah. I've actually, I don't think I've ever actually thought about that. Uh, Who's yours? Give me a sec to think. Oh, you know who? Uh, this isn't really a sleeper, but he's also not a main character. Uh, Jeff Goldblum in Ragnarok. <laughs> okay. It's just like yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Killed me. Yeah, killed me in every way. Like yeah, he was hilarious. You know, not somebody that I expected at all to be in these movies. Yeah, all of those uh, that race in the like Benicio del Toro. As, yeah, like the collector was also either like the same species yeah they both look human but those i don't know man i i honestly like i i the qualifier i would say is that um i have been a marvel comics fan since i was a little kid so i was already very invested in this universe and so there was like a lot at stake for how these characters were going to be represented in live action right and i gotta say they literally, the casting, they nailed it every mm-hmm. single time. They did such a good job. It felt so good to me. Like, there's not really any character that I can think of that... You the only like. one that I can think of that didn't really line up was... Uh, uh, War Machine was Rhodes when he was... Uh, before, right. before he was Don Cheadle. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm not, like, knocking it. It just didn't feel... When going back and watching it, like, you're like, oh, it's Don Cheadle. Obviously, it's Don well, Cheadle. My next question is going to be who's your least favorite. So that... Uh yeah, I like I I do I do like the main guys. Like I'd say that my favorite one is probably Winter Soldier. Oh so yeah, Cap, favorite movie. Oh okay, yeah. So, that, well, that's so that Cap, was so my next next question. Captain America is. You know what it is? I, I keep okay. avoiding the question, but you know what's interesting to me is that yeah. I didn't care about Captain America before these movies. Okay. I read the comics. I was more into X-Men than I was the Avengers side of things. Um, Spider-Man, X-Men. Captain America was always present. Always present. He's in all of the events. You know, right. he's a central... He's like the Superman of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. But I kind of found him boring. I was just like, I don't need... You know, in the same ways I find Superman kind of boring. But I really like... 
how he fits into scenarios in the movies. Like I like the idea of the winter soldier where it's like the government, the government that he's fought for yeah, and the people that he believed in. Like it just, I, that yeah. it was very interesting the way that they, all right. So captain America is your MVP. Yeah. Or Tony. I mean, yeah. Know, one of the two favorite movie is, uh, is uh, winter soldier. That's mine too. Uh, my reason being that it is like a spy movie from like the seventies or something. But it's then great. told in a superhero world. But you could take the superhero aspects out of it and it'd still be a great movie. Yeah. Um, okay. Rookie of the year. Who is your favorite new Marvel character? From the the latest wave of films, we'll say. From third wave Marvel. Um, one thing I really like about Black Panther, the movie, yeah. is that I feel that all the supporting characters are incredibly strong. Okay. So I like Black Panther, but I really like the uh, um, the Dora Milaje, like the his like the women with the shaved heads, like all of those characters. Yeah. I mean, there's really one or two central ones, but um, I like uh, Mbaku. I like Shuri. Like I like all those characters. I think they all stand. O- they could stand on their own. Yeah. If they wanted to, did a great job. Perfect job with Spider Man. Perfect. Well, Finally. So Spider-Man is my pick because uh, exactly that. Of all the Spider-Man movies we've had, this is just like the most Spider-Man. I had for Andrew Garfield. Okay, Pascal Siakam Award, most improved character. Nebula in the series. I know she annoyed a lot of people, but I read a very, very, very convincing article on The Ringer. Yeah. About how uh, so apparently Nebula wasn't even supposed to. They were going to kill her off very early on. Right. Like after in Guardians in the first Guardians, but I mean, I think that there's a, there's a lot of things about the character that I don't love. I don't really like her line delivery. Right. I don't think it's the actress. I just mean like there's there's just things that they choices they made that I don't love. But this article, while I was marathoning all the movies, really made me think about her arc, and it is like pretty fascinating because. They took one of the most background. She's like a secondary villain character. Mm-hmm. And she has some of the most human moments. Like in in Endgame where she's on the ship with Tony. And like right. You know what I mean? Like she's, she just, she changes. She develops a lot, her right. arc. And it's interesting because she's such a, like, she's like a tertiary character until Endgame where she's just kind of like in the background of these movies as like not really the focal point. But when you piece it all together, there's like a really interesting progression there. Um, and that kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't even really think about that until I saw Endgame and until I read this article. I was yeah. like, oh yeah. Like she really was like background, just kind of like, oh, who cares? She just kind of like a not very well executed minor character that like we'll never think about again. But like right. she really... <laughs> Well, my answer is kind of the everyman answer. I'm going to go with Thor because before the change in Ragnarok, he was kind of like a, I don't know, almost Captain America-esque figure. Like there's not much difference. He's just a stoic, really strong God. Yeah. And they were like, hey, what if this guy's just really funny? And it worked so well. So there you go. Okay. Now let's turn it to Thrones. Favorite Thrones character. Wait, can I just add one other award? Oh, yeah. Please. What, what's the most... What do you think the most underrated... What do you think the most underrated, like, hidden gem within 
the MCU movies is Ooh. a movie that people don't really like or that kind of is like not highly regarded, but you actually think is good. Oh wow! Because there's like there's a lot to choose from. So yeah, what's your answer? It's easy, and you'll probably roll your eyes, and everybody rolls their eyes when I say this, but yeah. I still really like Age of Ultron. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I see that. And especially when I rewatched it, I was like, maybe this time I'll get why people kind of like groan and roll their eyes about this movie. Mm-hmm. But I really liked it again when I rewatched it. I was like, uh, I think it's just because it incorporates so many sci-fi elements I like outside of the MCU. Like I like the idea of like AI that its its prime directive is to protect us, but realizes that to protect us, it has to destroy us, that kind of shit. You know, right. those are always like interesting to me and the way that they fit it into the Marvel universe at at large yeah it comes back too it even comes back in endgame when he's talking about like wanting to make a a suit of armor around the world like you know right um and the vision come like there's a lot you know claws first introduced in that movie james spader is ultron the vision is is introduced and i love how he's introduced he picks up thor's hammer like there's lots of great moments in it yeah i think it's super underrated sorry what's yours oh man my my first instinct, but I don't know if it's underrated, but I still think, yeah, I don't know. For whatever reason, it's Doctor the first Strange. one that came to mind. No, Ant-Man. Yeah, Ant-Man's great. I really, really like Ant-Man. Uh, I, I just love Paul Rutt, too. I should, there's too yeah. many characters. I, I completely forgot about... Oh, man. Yeah, if... if MCU is great. If this was... Uh, if this was the big... Oh, you don't listen to the big picture. If this was uh, a Ringer podcast called The Big Picture, we would have... Uh, the Dion Waiters heat check award. And that oh, would yeah. definitely go to Ant-Man because, uh, anyway. Um, yeah. Game of Thrones. I, favorite I, character? Yeah. Who's your favorite character? The Hound, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Hound. I think probably followed pretty closely by like, I like Brienne. And I like Tormund. And I like Davos. Those are like probably, those are like my top characters. Those are the guys, eh? I mean, I I think my, my... I do like Stannis a lot, too, even though he was very misguided. And that's mostly just because Bennett and I talked... The more that we talked about it, I was like, oh, yeah, he's pretty good. I really like... Uh, oh, why can't I think of his name now? The eunuch. Varys. Varys. Varys is great. He He's like my sleeper favorite because at first he wasn't really my favorite, but yeah. then he really took a turn and was like... I'm like, oh. Yeah. And when you rewatch it, you realize that knowing what you know now yeah like hindsight is twenty twenty. he isn't ever really evil evil yeah and he seems so yeah, when i first watched the show evil. i was just like this guy is up to some shit yeah and even in the first season the very first season when Arya ends up in the dungeon yeah because she's chasing cats you see him talking to somebody who i could you know initially i couldn't quite remember who it was it's the guy from pentos who was protecting daenerys and and viscery and her brother yeah um and they're talking they're plotting and yeah. i remember at the time i was like yo obviously fucking kill this guy like he is up to some shit he's trying to like do bad stuff yeah and now you just realize he was just like oh man shit is bad in westeros we gotta like you know he's just updating this guy on like what's going on here in westeros and that guy's updating him on what's happening with daenerys and you're right. like oh like it's amazing it's a really rewatchable show yeah it's extremely rewatchable okay least favorite character uh, I really, really didn't like Shay. <laughs> okay. She's not in it that long. A couple yeah. seasons. But um, enough for you to dislike her, though? Enough for me to dislike her. I loathe 
all of the Boltons, but not because they're bad actors. They're in fact that they were great. They're yeah. just so despicable. I dislike them even more than Joffrey. Joffrey's awful, but like you see, you think that's another example. You think he's so awful. Yeah. I mean, he is, but then as the show goes on, you're like, oh no. Yeah. He was like, just the tip of the iceberg. He was the tip of the iceberg. If he was still alive, I mean, shit would be bad, but at least people could kind of control him. Like the people yeah. that come after are so much worse. What I about think you? my least favorite is all of the Ironborn. I just hate <laughs> them all. Like yeah, they're not super. They're not super likable. I guess no. And like even the good ones, I, d- I didn't like the evil ones. I really hated. Obviously, I was really happy when that guy died. I can't even remember what his name You're is. Euron. Yeah, uh, but all the Greyjoys like. Fuck them, you know, and like yeah. they're stupid ships. I don't care. <laughs> no. They did kill a dragon, though. Good for there, them. There's so many. Ca- there's so many. Euron gets the Dion Waiters Award for just like there's so many characters. fucking so much stuff up in the. Yeah, he's he's in it for like all of thirty seconds and makes literally everybody unhappy. So good for him. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people that you don't you really don't like. Littlefinger was pretty. Oh yeah, yeah I was pretty happy to see it, and his 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 end is so satisfying. Well, we can't say favorite movie, but what is your favorite moment of Game of Thrones? Like, uh, you know, Battle of the Bastards. Oh, I also or, really uh, liked Egret. I was really sad. That was a tragic part of the show. Um, I would say, uh, especially after rewatching it, I really liked the dynamic in the North between the Wildlings and the night's watch mm. like the battle at the wall yeah when they get attacked from the south by like Tormund and like the fens and stuff yeah and then like you first see a giant in action right like and he shoots that arrow like they're oh the giant was great it's yeah. like one whole episode and like they release that giant chained mace ball that like shreds all the the side of the wall right like a siege weapon that yeah. you didn't even know was there you just see all this stuff where you're like oh this is what this was built for like all of these forts used to be manned and like you you know um and it's just filmed really well so that was definitely up there um for me it was when the night king raises the dragon and then you realize like the stakes of things you're like oh no i see that that was good hard home is also a very good episode where they where you first see him raise people like all of those people yeah, man, there's so much to choose from. Like, it's so great. It's really, it's really sad that. I just hope that people are able to step back a little bit and still, they can still be disappointed with how it ends. But I just, you know, like I don't want it to spoil the whole thing for them because it's still such an amazing achievement and right. such an incredible show. Like, I don't. It bums me out how how bummed other people are. <laughs> you know what I mean? The wagon train episode is great too because the basically for like seven years you've been waiting. Because everybody's like, fucking dragons don't exist or whatever. They're tiny dragons. Like, nobody cares. And we as an audience are like, oh, you're fucking in for a fucking rude awakening. Right. And then that moment where Jamie and Bronn are with the wagon train. Yeah. And you hear the Doth- the Dothraki come over the hills, like the Dothraki screamers. And they're yeah. just like, oh, shit. Like, they're already like, oh, fuck. Like, an army of, like, these crazy fucking guys with, like, scythes riding horses. Like, that's not good. And then you hear the dragon roar and they're all just like, oh, you know, yeah. like nobody knows what that is. That that was so satisfying. And then they just like get destroyed. There's no, there's not even it's not even a fight. They just get like slaughtered. Right. That was a cool episode. <laughs> it was very cool. 
All right. Well, uh, I think that puts a nice bookend on two properties that we loved to talk about that we probably won't be talking about for at least a little while. Yeah, it's end of it really, really end an end of an era. And like I said, I feel kind of a sense of relief. Like it feels nice that I is something that I enjoy. Both those things I enjoyed for like the last decade. Yeah. And I'm glad they're not just going on forever, but they are kind of going on forever. So it's like, you know, right. I feel satisfied that this chapter and both those things is over, but we have more to look forward to. So it's good. Absolutely. Now, I'm not sure what we're going to do next, but coming up soon on the show is going to be a we watch it so you don't have to of none other than the world's greatest detective. <laughs> and I'm not talking about Sherlock Holmes. It's Detective Pikachu. So keep your ears open for that one. Uh, and don't forget to check out uh, Honeybeard. Honeybeard at honeybeard, honeybeardmusic.com. Honeybeardband. Oh, excuse me. Oh, honeybeardband.com. All right, don't worry, guys. I got you, Honeybeard. Until next time, keep loving it.